Romans chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2. We are continuing through this book of Romans, and if you remember, if you've been here, I'm telling you we are on the threshold of revival if we will go verse by verse and apply it. Not just go, oh, that's nice, but apply it to our lives, okay? The theme of this book, the righteousness of God. Matter of fact, I kind of want to drill that into you as we go, so maybe I'll have you repeat that. The theme of this book is? The righteousness of God. Okay, and the motto of this book is, the just shall live by faith. You find those both in verse 17. The theme is? <coughs> tricky. And the motto is? Okay. The, the overall message is this, guys. Nobody is good enough to get into God's heaven by their deeds or their thoughts or their words. I would dare say that every single one of us in this room disqualified ourselves somehow just today before we, before we came. Okay? Uh, thought, thought that we allowed in our heads or a word that we said, uh, carelessness, whatever it is, nobody is allowed into God's heaven by their deeds. We all deserve hell. Happy Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. I want you to remember, we, we learned it last week, the wrath of God is revealed. We tend to read that will be someday. No, right now we are seeing the wrath of God revealed. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So we saw last time, look, God is clearly revealed. He's through creation, the creation that he made, every day is a sermon to you. Every day he says to you, I'm here, I'm real. You need to come to terms with me. God clearly revealed, and yet we saw last time, God is rejected. It says, they are without excuse, verse 21, because although they knew God, that is, they knew he existed, they had that hardwired, they knew that they needed to deal with him, because they, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. The word wise there is sophos. The word fools there is moros, where we get the word moron. That's where I came up with the word last week, sophomore. One who thinks he's wise, but he's actually a fool. Not all sophomores, okay. God is revealed, and then God is rejected. And then the, the third thing is, just naturally in place because you and I are made to worship. The song is true. We are hardwired to worship something. When we reject God, something else must come in its place. God revealed, God rejected, always follows God replaced. Look at verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools and they changed. That is, replaced they replaced the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and, bird, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged, read, replaced the truth of God 
for the lie. It's a bad trade. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Another bad trade they replaced. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That is where we left off last Sunday. Though God is revealed in nature, God is rejected by men. And then naturally God is replaced by men. The scary thing is, the last R is that eventually we reject Him, we replace Him over and over again. Eventually God relents or He releases us to that which we demand. Matter of fact, that's where we're going to be here now as we, we come to the end of this chapter. We're going to see this over and over again. God replaced and God relents or God releases. Let's just pick it up where we left off. Those last two thoughts. God is replaced. When he's replaced, he's eventually uh, releases or relents. Um, as a matter of fact, before we, before we begin, let me, let me underline this that we mentioned last time. Verse 18, remember, is the wrath of God is being uh, revealed. That word is means right now, today, May 9th, 2010, God is still right now revealing His wrath. Now how? Well, it comes in the form of Him relenting. Him releasing us to do that which we're demanding to do. Maybe some of you have heard this phrase. It was originally, I think, it was incorrectly quoted to Billy Graham. But... I heard this week that Billy Graham got it from Leonard Ravenhill. You ever heard this phrase? If God doesn't judge Sodom and Gomorrah... I'm sorry. Let's try that again. If God doesn't judge... He already did that. If God doesn't judge America, He owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. You ever heard that phrase? Pretty... Yeah, it's pretty intense. But it's true. But listen... Even more correctly, is that God is already judging America. And the form that that wrath is taking is him releasing. Him saying, okay, if, if that's how you must have it, then go your way. It's in the form of him releasing us to do whatever we want. As I look at these verses, what comes to mind, I, is last, last way I can think of it, is a downward spiral. And it looks like it has two parts, two sides to it. Man replacing God, then God releases man. And then man spirals. And man replaces God, and God releases man. And my, man spirals. You even see it in just the, the text, the way it's uh, arranged, the way Paul writes. Look at verse 22. It says, professing to be wise, they became fools and they replaced, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. We talked about it last time. It's an, idolatry is a bad trade. Trading a living God who created you for something that you can make that resembles something that's dying. The incorruptible God trading it for um, uh, an image of a man or a four-footed animal or a beast, something that is dying. That's a bad trade. Verse 23, man replaces God. Now watch verse 24. God releases man. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Now watch, the pattern repeats itself. Verse 25, 
who exchanged, that is, they replaced the truth of God for the lie, bad trade, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, really bad trade, who is blessed forever. The creator is blessed forever. Man replaces the truth of God. He switches it out for the lie. Man places at the center of his worship experience, not the creator, but the created, the creature. Boy, talk about bad worship. I'm going to worship the creature. That's a bad trade. Now watch, verse 25, man replaces God. Verse 26, you guessed it, God releases man. Verse 26, for this reason, God, it says, gave them up to vile passions. Man replaces God, God releases man. The, where it says gave them up, the word is uh, paradidomai. In the Greek, it literally means handed over. Handed over. I want you to get the right picture here. This is the way I see it. Picture a loving creator whom we have. He formed you, fashioned you with loving care. Fearfully, wonderfully you're made. A loving creator reveals himself. And I see the father in the, the, let's say the husband role. Okay. He says to his precious wife over and over again. I love you. I love you. To show that I've given you air to breathe. I put food on your table. I give you shelter from the storm. But mankind plays the role of the adulteress. The wife who is loved on but rejects God. Not only that, but chooses another God, replaces God. God reveals himself over and over again, shows that he's patient, faithful. But at some point in this picture, according to Romans, God the husband says to the wife, okay, okay. And he hands her over to that which she's demanded, that which she's already chosen. Y'all, Paul is talking in Romans chapter 1, if you haven't figured it out, about the depravity of man in general. All of us, okay? But let's quit preaching and go to meddling. Is there anything in your life that you've allowed to replace God as your first love? I need to tell you that He stands so ready, pleading with you, that would, you would give yourself to Him. But if you insist on replacing Him over and over again, if you demand to be able to serve another God, He will hand you over to that which you truly love. But again, it's a very bad trade. Verse 26 says that God gave them up to vile. That means dishonorable disgusting, disfigured, gave them over to vile, then it says passions. Interesting, the word passion can be used both in the Greek, can be used for the, both the word desire and disaster. God gave them up to their vile passions. Verse 26, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, 
which was due. Dun, dun, dun. Here we are. A very crystal clear reference to the sin of homosexuality. Not the lifestyle choice. The sin of homosexuality. If you've been coming, you've heard me say half-jokingly, hey, let's do Romans now while it's still legal. Right? That it's still okay, it's still legal right now, this moment, to preach from Romans chapter 1. You've maybe heard me joke that there could come a time when preaching accurately from this letter could land me in jail. Maybe you thought, well, come on. You think I'm over dramatic. Did you know that in Canada, the message of Romans chapter 1 is already illegal? Did you know that Bible publishers are being sued for correctly translating Romans chapter 1? For translating a Bible, a, a book that's a thousand years old, they're being sued for that. Did you know this? In the United Kingdom, this last week. Let me read it for you. A Christian street preacher was arrested and locked in a cell for telling a passerby that homosexuality is a sin in the eyes of God. Dale McAlpin was charged with causing harassment, alarm, or distress after a homosexual police community support officer. Okay, so they have officers that are assigned, I guess, to be on the lookout for this. They call them PCSOs, Police Community Support Officers, overheard him after this PCSO overheard him reciting a number of sins referred to in the Bible, including blasphemy, drunkenness, and same-sex relationships. Now, blasphemy and drunkenness do not yet have their own uh, police community support officers, apparently. The 42-year-old Baptist, who was preached Christianity in Workington, uh, Cumbria for years that he did not mention homosexuality while delivering a sermon from the top of a stepladder, but he admitted to telling a passing shopper that he believed it went against the word of God. Police officers are alleging that he made the remark in a voice loud enough to be overheard by others and have charged him with abusive, using abusive or insulting language contrary to the United Kingdom's Public Order Act. Christian campaigners have expressed alarm that the Public Order Act introduced in 1986 to tackle violent rioters and football hooligans is being used to curb religious free speech. Mr. McAlpine was handing out leaflets explaining the Ten Commandments or offering a ticket to heaven with a church colleague on April 20th when a woman came up and engaged him in a debate about his faith. During the exchange, he says he quietly listed homosexuality among a number of sins referred to in 1 Corinthians, including blasphemy, fornication, adultery, and drunkenness. After the woman walked away, she was approached by the PCSO, who spoke with her briefly, and then walked over to Mr. McAlpine and told him a complaint had been made and that he could be arrested for using racist or homophobic language. The street preacher said he told the PCSO, I am not homophobic, but sometimes I do say that the Bible says homosexuality is a crime against the Creator. He says that the PCSO then identified himself as homosexual and identified himself uh, as the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender liaison officer for the police. Mr. McAlpine then replied, It's still a sin. (laughs) 
the preacher then began a 20-minute sermon in which he says he mentioned drunkenness and adultery, but not homosexuality. Three regular uniformed officers uh, arrived during the address. They arrested him and put him in the back of a police van. The Public Order Act, which outlaws the unreasonable use of abusive language likely to cause distress, has been used to arrest religious people in a number of similar cases. Some of you in this room feel called to the ministry. Jesus says, count the cost. You may be called to a jail ministry. But we must say, as Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said, we must say, as Peter and John said in the book of Acts, which is right, to obey men or to obey God? If God tells us we have to say this, we have no choice. Verse 26 then, here we go. Hopefully I won't be preaching this from a jail cell anytime soon, but we'll see. Verse 26, continues the same line of thinking, this same spiral of judgment, okay? I want you to notice this. Man replacing, God releasing, okay? And then man spirals. And Paul uses homosexuality as just one example. He says, for even their women exchanged, notice, replaced, you see it? Even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, that is, they replaced that which God designed, they burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Paul uses the sin of homosexuality to illustrate the replacing, relenting spiral. The replacing, releasing spiral. You see it? Notice the, the words natural or nature. You see them in uh, verse 26 and 27? Three times in those two verses. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Verse 27. Likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the women. That word natural, natural is physikos. It means produced by nature, inborn. It means governed by the instincts of nature. And interestingly, in the Greek, Paul uses the word, not that you would think he would use, he doesn't in the Greek use woman and men. No, he uses the word female and male. This is important to, to notice. Paul is alluding to the fact that homosexuality is not just, think about this, a sin against our higher nature, that is, that we're called to be like God, but he says it's a sin against our nature. Nature. Does that make sense? L let me put it this way, where it says physikos, that, that, where it's the, the word natural, nature, is physikos. It's the same place we get the word, guys, physics. I will try to tread lightly here in the interest of discretion, but a cursory glance at the male and female human body, you don't have to be a physicist to figure it out, right? The physics say that we were created male and female. Genesis chapter 2 tells us that we were created male and female. When they approached Jesus and tried to trap him, 
He said, do you not remember that you were created male and female? What God has joined together, let no man tear apart. Genesis says it. Jesus says it. Physics say it. God built it into our DNA, the fact that males and females go together. Just a cursory look reveals that. And listen back to our text last week. To believe anything else, you have to suppress the truth. You have to not look at the, 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 uh, the facts of it and go, okay, that can't be right. Everything says that men and women were created to, to be together. To, to come to any other conclusion, you must suppress the truth and listen. That is exactly what governments all over the world now are doing they did it last week in the United Kingdom. They're suppressing that truth. Don't, don't talk about that. You can talk about anything else, but don't talk about the fact that sex is designed for a husband and a wife, for a male and a female. Paul says, listen, it's just another example, and this is really important, just one more example of humankind replacing God's beautiful design with something else. He says, look, the women are even replacing the men with women. The men are even replacing women with men. For even their, their women exchanged, replaced the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving, that means to abandon the natural use of the woman, replacing that which God intended. They burned in their lust. The word means craving for one another. Men with men creating or committing what is Shameful. The word shameful, in case you, you, you're not believing my line of thinking here. Listen what the word shameful is. It's eschemosine. You know what it means? Against the schematics. It means God has, like an architect, this is how it works. And we, nope, not interested in that. Men with men committing what is against the schematics. Exchanging God's plan for something against his plan. And listen, again, as with all idolatry, it's a bad trade. Because look at the end of that verse. And receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Now that probably brings a, a difficult question to your mind. Maybe somebody has even asked you this question. Does God give AIDS to homosexuals? It's similar to this question. How does a loving God send people to hell? I want to help you with that. Here's the thing. To me, it's all in the way you phrase the question. You guys heard that where if you really want to put somebody on the spot, you go, hey, dude, have you recently quit beating your wife? Uh, no. Wait a second. Um, yes. No. You can't answer the question. Have you quit beating your wife? That assumes that you are beating your wife from the beginning, right? There's no good way to answer that. The question is not justly phrased. It's not fair, the question. Let me answer that question. God does not give AIDS to homosexuals. Nor does he give venereal disease 
to adulterers, nor does he give financial ruin to the greedy, nor does he give hell to the sinner. He does not give, remember, he gives over. Do you get it? The constant thread of this chapter is God does not give these things. He gives over. He reveals himself. We reject him. We replace him. We demand that we be released to serve other gods. And finally, he says, "Okay." And then we find out that those other gods destroy us. We find out they are cruel, cruel masters. We find that the God that we choose to serve gives us AIDS or venereal disease, or liver disease, or financial ruin, or a broken marriage, or a broken family, or broken bodies. Listen, this is really important. Homosexuality does not send anyone to hell any more than lying just one time, any quicker than gossiping. Just one time. Without Jesus, we are all headed to hell in a handbasket called humanity. It's not called homosexuality. It's called humanity. This is the message of Romans chapter 1. We are sinners at our very core. It says he gave them over to their vile passions of their hearts, saying what's inside them is rotten to the core. And he says... Okay, after much, much laboring, after not wanting us, not willing that any should perish, but he eventually says, okay. Listen, if you think that Romans chapter 1 is only about homosexuality, you have really, really missed it. Homosexuality is just one case, a case study in Paul's case against all of us. And that's what we see. We see the spiral continue. Man replaces God. God releases man. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. They rejected God, so God handed them over. God was revealed. He, he was rejected. He was replaced. And eventually God relents. And now we see man's regression. We see the spar- spiral really begin to, to go quickly. Verse 29. They were being filled, notice filled, the word is playru, it's not just affected by or influenced by, but filled to the brim, being filled with all unrighteousness. All, in the Greek it means all, all kinds of unrighteousness. Matter of fact, you could put a colon after that, that phrase, being filled with all unrighteousness, and here comes the list. Here comes a list of some of the things that are included in this list. This list from verse uh, verse 18, excuse me, this list is God's wrath being revealed right now as we speak. When you see this, when you look, when you go out and you read the paper and you see, oh, then you know God's wrath is being revealed right now. Not a, a petty wrath, not a temper tantrum from God, but God going, okay, okay. His wrath is shown right now by handing us over to that which we have demanded. And I want you to take a a second as we go through. I want you to find, you know, don't raise your hand or anything, but find where am I in this list? 
Because you're in this list. Okay? Every single one of us are in this list. Okay. Being filled with all unrighteousness. What kind? First off, sexual immorality. Y'all, that is all-inclusive. That includes adultery. It includes fornication. That is sex before you're married. It includes pornography. I had someone say to me this weekend, it's so true. Today in our society, we are so filled with sexual immorality that if you happen to be a man or a woman, that your particular weakness, just like a homosexual proclivity might be a weakness for that person, if your particular weakness was pornography, man, today our society is so filled with it. Imagine if you're a drunk... You're an alcoholic and everywhere you turn is free booze. That's how filled our society is with, it says, sexual immorality. And when you see it, you can remind yourself that's God's wrath. Meaning he said, okay, he's handed us over. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness. That means delight in wrongdoing, covetousness. That means not being satisfied with your own home or your own car or your own wife or your own life. Now, is the society filled with that? Well, pretty much Madison Avenue thrives on that. That's the, that's the lifeblood of our country, making sure that we are covetous, that we're wanting something else, that we're not happy with what we have. Then it says maliciousness. That's the desire to injure. Maybe some of you have that right now against the pastor. Then it says, full of envy. Now that's like covetousness, but it's not just being dissatisfied with what you have, it's wanting what someone else has. Wanting their home, or their car, or their wife, or their life. Then it says, murder. Paul is describing a society filled with murder. But interesting, Jesus says you don't have to kill someone to be filled with with murder. Be filled with rage. Filled with murder. Then it says strife. Is our society filled with strife? Strife, contention, always arguing with someone. Politically, have we ever been this filled with strife? Filled with maliciousness, full of envy, murder, filled with strife, filled with deceit. That is lying subtly or otherwise. What, what, what was the thing that people are saying has gotten us into the financial meltdown? Deceit. Saying, I'll pay back or I'll, I'll do this or I'll do that. Right? Evil mindedness, it says. That is malicious craftiness. It says they are whisperers. That is secret slanderers. You ever gossiped about anyone? Ever talked about someone? Behind their back. They are whisperers, secret slanders. Then it says backbiters. You know what? That's open slander. That's when you don't even care enough that you're just like telling everybody how rotten a person this person is. Whisperers, backbiters. Then it says haters of God. It means especially impious or wicked. Y'all, has there ever been a time when when so many cartoons, TV cartoons are out that openly mock our Creator and the Son He sent to die for us? 
The son he sent to lay down his life for us. Our society is filled, playroom, to the brim with hatred of God. Then it says violent. Just read the paper. Our society is filled with violence. Now, if you think to yourself, you know you're right. God should be mad at all those people. Those other people. Those are scum. Unlike myself. Next word's for you. Proud. It means thinking yourself better than others. And then the next word is boasters. And that means not just thinking it, but saying it. Yeah, I am better than those folks. Then it says inventors of evil things. Paul's describing this spiral. He's describing a society that is not content with just the same old ways of sinning, but is bent on creating new, creative ways to destroy their families and themselves. Y'all, the only thing I, way I can think of to say it is porn on the iPhone. Why settle for destroying your marriage at a desktop? Now you can do it anywhere. The wrath of God is right now being revealed. He's released us to serve other gods. Then it says, disobedient to parents. Huh, how'd that get in there? It's just a little old thing like being disobedient to parents? Just a little old thing like being disobedient to the ones who have cared for you and provided for you? Wait, doesn't that sound like a microcosm of what we do to God? Young people, listen. I told your parents, said, look, you might want to pray. Decide if you want your kids in this particular message. They made the call. You're here. So now I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to quit preaching and go to meddling. If you are willfully disobedient to those whom God has assigned to care for you, that is not a good sign. You, according to this verse, you are under the wrath of God. That means He's allowing you to do it. And that's not a good thing. The Bible says that God, just like any father, chastens the ones that He loves. If you are getting away with talking disrespectfully, being violent to your parents, that's not a good sign. You can ask me, I can tell you of people who were in that spot, and now I can tell you where to find them. In the jail, just down the street. It's God's wrath being revealed. You need to repent. Just like the rest of us, you need to surrender to Jesus. Y'all, pray for the sons and the daughters of this congregation for repentance in this matter. I hear stories of parents that are frightened by their own children. Y'all, it's evidence. God's righteous wrath is revealed. He's let us go. Okay, He's released us and just one more sign of it is that well, maybe you say, well, I'm still unscathed. You're still not talking about me. Verse 31. Undiscerning. That's you. 
If you still don't see yourself in this list, undiscerning, it means unintelligent, without understanding, stupid. Sorry, that's what it means. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, that means covenant breaking. Y'all, has there ever been a time where there's been more broken promises? No one trusts the government. The government doesn't trust you. We don't trust each other. Lawsuits abound, right? Trust has evaporated. And it says unloving. We demand our right to kill unborn children. Then it says unforgiving. It means to re- it refers to those who cannot be persuaded to enter into a covenant. You go to them and you say, I want you guys to get along. They cannot be persuaded. They are not interested in making amends. And then it says, unmerciful. Did you read about this two weeks ago? This, I'll read this uh, text for you. Two weeks ago, a, a heroic homeless man stabbed af- was stabbed after saving a queen's woman from a knife-wielding attacker. He lay dying in a pool of blood for more than an hour as nearly 25 people indifferently strolled past him. Some of the passers-by paused to stare last Sunday morning, and others leaned down to look at his face. He had jumped to the aid of a woman attacked at 5.40 in the morning. He was stabbed several times in the chest and collapsed as he chased his assailant. Homeless guy saved someone's life. He stabbed 25 people. Just walk right by him. One lady was asked uh, who lives nearby. She said, that's unacceptable. How can we be so heartless? Paul would have a different word. Not just unacceptable, unmerciful. How can people be so heartless? I would say it's because we've been handed over to the God that we've demanded from our Creator. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Doesn't that sound like a great place to live? No. Y'all, this is the scorched earth at the bottom of the spiral. This is the cesspool into which the whirlpool empties after God is revealed and he's rejected and he's replaced and finally he relents. He hands us over. And for a while, while we're spinning, we say, yes, now we can do what we want. That terrible God has let us go. And we spiral and we find ourselves right here at the bottom of this cesspool. Now, maybe you're particularly dense and you have not yet found yourself in this list. Look at verse 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that is in their hearts, they know what's right and wrong. That those who practice such things are deserving of death. They not only do the same, but also it says approve of those who practice them. The word approve means to applaud. It means to, to, to be pleased with something together. To applaud. To witness and applaud. Remember, Paul is writing to the Romans. In Rome, they had this place called the Colosseum. 
where thousands upon thousands who would never think of personally committing murder would pay really good money to watch Christians fed to the lions. Barbaric, you say. I would, I would never do that. Well, couldn't you make a case that we have coliseums in our communities where people pay good money, they even grab some popcorn and soda so that they can watch the things that happen in verses 28 through 32. I'm not saying you should never go to a movie, but do you go to some movies and applaud the things that are in verses 28 to 32? And you get to the place where Dirty Harry says, make my day. You're like, yeah. You know why? Because our hearts crave it. We applaud. We crave that stuff. And maybe you're saying, no, no, come on, not me. I, I don't go to the local Coliseum. I don't watch movies like that. I have them piped into my house. Here's the point. Romans 1 condemns us all. All have fallen short of the glory of God. None seeks after God. No, not one. Maybe you're still not convinced. Come back Thursday. <laughs> I'll try again. Come back Thursday. There's going to be more of the same. Paul convincing us. Here's the message, guys. You need a Savior. Now, question as we close. Is there any hope for wretches? Like us. You guys know the answer. Jesus. See, it doesn't stop. I was, I was talk, talking with Philip. The, unfortunately, because we have to stop, I don't, you know, I don't want to keep you here for three weeks straight. Um, because we have to stop, you know, there's the potential for this message to be like, uh, you know, the Easter story that ends on Good Friday. And Jesus died. Okay, y'all take care. Have fun. Right? But... There is hope for wretches like us. It doesn't end here. God reveals, is revealed. God is rejected. God is replaced. God relents. But if we let him, if we repent, then he can rescue. He is the rescue for sinners. We sing it all the time. Turn with me, if you can, to Mark chapter 2 as we close. I just want to show you. If you find yourself, man, I really am a really wretched sinner. This is where it gets good. Mark 2, verse 15. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together. Guys who had just been doing some of the things in verses uh, 26 to 32. By the way, maybe today homosexuality is a real issue for you. Something that, that you're struggling with. The human race is struggling with something. 1 Corinthians, you want to read it. There's a place in there where Paul says, and adulterers and homosexuals and all these things. It says, such were some of you. He's writing to them saying, look, you can be healed. You can be a new creation. We all need to be new creation. Okay, it happened as he was dining in Levi's voice, er, in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with those terrible tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I did not come to call the righteous, the healthy, but sinners to repentance. See, the book of Romans tells us ain't nobody healthy. Ain't nobody healthy, but some people think that they're healthy, so they refuse to go to the doctor. First, you have to know you're sick. What if supernaturally I could, word of knowledge, I could tell you without question, I, I just know it's true. If, if one of you had cancer today and you didn't know it, but God told me without doubt that you do. Would it be loving for me to say to you, yeah, you're, you're, you're fine. I wouldn't get it checked out. No. That would be the opposite of loving. But if I know that you're sick, what am I going to say to you? You need to get to the physician right away. You need to go to him. He, you would want me to tell you that you are sick and that you need to go to the doctor. And that's what I'm telling you. And that's what Paul's telling you. We need the great physician. Good news is, that's exactly why he came.